Take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5, please. James chapter 5. I'll be directing your attention to our text verses here tonight, but I'm studying right now uh, to begin a series through the book of 2 Thessalonians and considering the Pauline epistles and and uh, the close proximity of the time that Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians to when he wrote 1 Thessalonians, it really ties in uh, to what we have just uh, studied through the book of 1 Thessalonians. So I'm, I'm studying right now to begin that series, and it's the next one in these Pauline epistles, but we'll begin that in a couple of weeks. Tonight, we're back in the book of James And two weeks ago, uh, we were here in James chapter 4, in verse 11, that says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judgest the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. And and so we spoke on that subject last week of how we relate one to another as a family as members of a New Testament church and brethren in the Lord, etc. And this is sort of a follow-up message to that, uh, just from a little bit different angle, a little bit different perspective. And I want you to look at verse 7 of James chapter 5. And we'll consider more verses than just these uh, this week and next week. But tonight we're going to be basically in verses 7 through 9. The Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We're going to talk about patience as a virtue tonight and and next week, and and then we'll begin that study in 2 Thessalonians, Lord willing. But let me me just... uh, before we begin getting into this passage, let me ask this question. How many of you would consider yourself a patient person? And you can be honest. You can raise your hand if you want to. Or you can also be honest and keep your hand down. Um, I, I do not consider myself a patient person. In fact, one of the hardest character qualities to learn is patience. And it's one that we never stop learning in this life, actually. And usually, there are two main areas of life that will test and try our patience. And that is circumstances, number one. Circumstances will often try our patience. But the other one is people. People will definitely try our patience, especially those that are difficult to get along with. When it comes to circumstances, sometimes circumstances are difficult in life, and sometimes it feels like those difficult circumstances go on and on and on to the point that it might even make you feel like giving up, like it's not worth it, 
Why try? I just want to leave. I just want to escape. I want to get away from here. That can happen in life. Uh, in Psalm 73, you'll remember a man named Asaph who felt that way. He said, what's the point of, of serving God? I've lived this way with the hope of, of God's blessing, but I see those out in the world that seem to be prospering and they don't seem to have difficulties like the children of God do. And what's the point? And if I speak how I feel, it's going to you know, offend other people. And if I stay silent, I'm going to explode basically. And eventually you read down through the end of that psalm and you find that it wasn't until Asaph got his eyes back on the Lord. He went into the house of God that he got a new perspective on life. But sometimes circumstances can make us feel that way. When it comes to people, people can just be very awful at times. People can be scoundrels, plain and simple. And it's easy to think of others in those terms, not so easy to see ourselves as the same, right? But principles to be reminded of here in the context of James, if if we were to go back a little bit and study this out some more, we would find that the context of James is talking about how life is short and the Lord is coming soon and all the things that we face in life, they're going to come to an end because the Lord is coming soon. In fact, James 4.14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life that is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Life is short. It's short, and Jesus is coming again. So we can endure, and we can, we can hold out, and we can trust the Lord, and it's going to be okay. We can be patient. Those are some principles to be reminded of here, that we need to keep things, we need to keep circumstances, we need to keep people and relationships in that kind of a perspective, that eternity is right around the corner. This life is not all that there is. Sometimes we feel as though we're at the end of our rope when it comes to circumstances. We can feel like we're at the end of our rope with some people, too. And we're still slipping at the end of our rope. We can't take it anymore. But that's the time to trust in the Lord and tie a knot at the end of the rope, if you will, and hang on because the Bible says, Be patient, brethren unto the coming of the Lord. It's coming soon. And so James 5 somewhat deals with this idea. We read verses 7 through 11. It's going to take us a couple of weeks to get through these verses. We're going to focus on verses 7 through 9 tonight, and I'll read those again, but I want to read them in the context that they're written in as well, because the context of these verses is really verses 1 through 6. If we go back to verse 1, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord." 
Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. If you look in verses 1 through 6, you'll find that James is talking to unsaved people. Now, as a whole, the book of James is written to brethren. It's written to saved people. These verses here in verses 1 through 6 are sort of an aside where he's directing his attention to unsaved people who have persecuted and killed just people, saved people. By the time you get down to verse 7, James switches his perspective back to the saved individual to remind them to keep in the right perspective. The world has lived this way. The ungodly men have lived this way. They've been unjust, persecuted, saved people. But remember this, the Lord is coming soon, and you can be patient, brethren. And so he changes his perspective back to the saved to remind them to keep things in the right perspective. These trials are temporal things. We need to have the eternal perspective as we live. And God is the one who's keeping track. Eternity is coming, according to verse 7. He says, be patient unto the coming of the Lord. You know what, friend? Just as an aside, eternity is far different than the here and now. Eternity is far different than the here and now for both the saved and the unsaved. Eternity without Christ is eternal torment in the lake of fire. Eternity with Christ is heaven. Therefore, have the perspective of laying up treasure in heaven because this is not the end of things. And so that's where we come to verse 7 where James says, Be patient, therefore. Be patient, therefore, because of this truth, because the Lord is coming soon, because this is so temporary, be patient. In other words, live life in patience because it's short and we know what's coming. And you know what? That is always the challenge that we face as saints of God. And no one has a full handle on this. If we were to go back to James we would find that James actually begins this epistle with this very principle. In James chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That means, that word fall into, it means to be surrounded by. The word temptations means adversity or adverse experience. So he says, count it all joy when you're completely surrounded by adverse experience in your life. Knowing this, why can you count it joy? Because you know this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The Lord uses trials of life and adverse experience to build and grow patient, and the patience and the saint of God is to allow it to happen. Let it happen. Let God do his perfect work in your life. Well, James comes back to this issue of patience in James 5, only with a slightly different angle. And there are three things that we're going to pull out of this passage, not all tonight, but tonight and the next week. We're going to find, number one, the admonition to patience. Number two, we're going to see the illustration of patience. And then number three, we'll find the motivation for patience. 
in this text, and this is a quality that we need in our lives. Let's pray. We'll begin. Lord, I pray that you'd help me tonight to explain the Word of God, to make the right application, and Lord, I know you're the one who applies truth in the hearts of every person. Lord, I just pray that you'd guide my thoughts and my words, Lord, that uh, your will is accomplished uh, completely here in this hour. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would be uh, alive to us and instructive, or that you grow us more into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's consider the admonition to patience. In verse 7, we find James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Verse 8, he says, Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Here's the admonition to patience. Adversity in life is often God's opportunity to, do, to build character or to develop Christ-likeness in our lives. God often uses these two avenues that I've already mentioned. He uses these two avenues to accomplish His purpose or His will in our life, and that is difficult circumstances and people. Those are the two avenues that so often God will use to, to, to build character or to develop more Christ-likeness in our life. We find the issue of difficult circumstances even in this text. In verse 11, the Bible says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You know uh, Job's life, and Job is used as an example here of a man who endured patiently during difficult circumstances of life. You know his story. You know that none of us have ever really experienced all that Job experienced in his life. What trial, what hardship Job went through, and yet all of it was allowed by God. A loving God allowed this in Job's life, and he did it for a particular reason, to bring about a good end in Job's life. What about, what about Joseph? We read about Joseph's life, and we find that his life was also very difficult at times. Remember his brothers who sold him into slavery, which led to him being, uh, you know, serving in Potiphar's house, which led to him being jailed for for 14 years or something like that, which in all of these struggles and trials that came about in Joseph's life, at the end, Joseph acknowledged that those that meant it for evil, God meant it for good, meaning that God was at the heart of it, all of it. So we know this principle to be true as well, that sometimes it's good to let our children struggle just a little bit with some things in life and have to suck it up and experience the realities of life and some hardships because it helps build some character in them. But you know what? God does the same thing with His children. And the admonition here is to have patience when it comes to difficult circumstances, realizing that it's for good and it's only for a short time because verse 8 says the Lord is coming very soon. It's temporal. It may feel like it's forever, 
but it's very temporal compared to eternity. We also see the issue of being patient with people. Verse 7 is, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. But that statement is in the context of verses 1 through 6, especially verses 4 through 6, where it talks about those men who have hired laborers, who've reaped down their fields, and and, uh, they kept back by fraud from the people who did the work because of their own greediness and their own uh, hoarding for themselves and their selfishness, and their cries have, have, have gone out to the Lord of Sabaoth. Those people have lived in pleasure on the earth and still been wanton, and so on. They have condemned and killed the just. And James still says, Be therefore patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And so it's in the context of those who are unjust or those who abuse and misuse. And it's talking about other people. And here's the point. People can be difficult. You've heard the saying, it takes all kinds to make the world go round, I'm sure. Well, when we say that, it takes all kinds to make the world go round, we often have a particular kind of person in mind, or maybe even a specific person in mind. Someone that's irritating us, or a kind of person that irritates us. Well, here's the truth. God can use all kinds of people to build us and grow us in our character. We all need our personalities developed more. All of us need more Christ-likeness in our lives, especially when it comes to living with and dealing with people. If I said there are no perfect people, no one would disagree with that. There are no perfect people. And we know that's true. But we also need to remember that that statement goes two ways. When it comes to self, we like to use that as a, as a buffer. We like to use it as a justification. Well, I'm not perfect. You know, I messed up. I'm not perfect. We use that very conveniently for cutting ourselves some slack. But when it comes to other people will often skip over that fact that others aren't perfect either. And we shouldn't be surprised when people don't act right or say the wrong things or when they fail. Why shouldn't we be surprised? Because there's no perfect people. But so often we hold a double standard. We judge others for their failures and we write them off or we say they messed up or they're this way and they're that way and I don't like this and I don't like that. That's how we relate. We might even sit around and talk about them or condemn them, sit in judgment over them while overlooking our own faults as if we're somehow better than they are. Well, here's where it gets real good. If somehow our faults or our failures are highlighted by someone else, our reaction is to get defensive. And say, well, you're just being judgmental. That's nothing more than hypocrisy. It's not always easy to be patient with people because sometimes people seem to be difficult on purpose. (laughs) 
But patience with people is the prevailing thought here. The right attitude to have, which we all need to work on, the right attitude to have is that, you know what, people do mess up, and so do I. I'm not better than anyone else, and if it wasn't for God's grace in my own life, I would fail most miserably. But if the first response of hearing of someone's failure is to badmouth them, or the tendency is to judge people's motive for things, man, our own heart isn't right in that very moment. The admonition is to be patient with people. There are no perfect people, but the reason is, is because this is so temporary, and the Lord is coming soon. Who is the judge? The actual judge who's standing right at the door. I want you to look at some of these words and phrases and see their meanings in this passage. The first word is patient in verse 7, where James says, Be patient, therefore. The word that's translated as patient comes from the Greek word that means long-spirited. It means forbearing. It has the similar idea of that of long-suffering. And I would just simply say this, aren't you glad that the Lord is long-suffering with you? The same word is used a multitude of times in the Bible, illustrating how God views and deals with people. 2 Peter 3.9, God is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It means long-spirited. It means forbearing. The word forbearing, and it's talking about people. Forbearing with people means to be long-tempered. Long-tempered with people. It means you don't got a short fuse, right? It means enduring. It means being patient, certainly. Suffering long, long-spirited, long-tempered with people. Why? 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 Why long-tempered with people? Because people aren't perfect. People make mistakes. People sin. So do you. So do I. People will often rub us the wrong way. People will irritate us by the things that they say or their attitudes and how they think and so on, how they do things that's different than our way of doing things. But where does that give us the right to criticize or to grumble and to complain or to condemn and to sit in judgment? Where do we get the right to do it? It's a rotten attitude is what it is. And let me tell you, friend, I'm not just speaking to you. I was reminded of this terrible tendency in myself just yesterday. It's something we all need to be reminded of. How do we combat that tendency? Well, first of all, we need to realize that our way of thinking is not the only way. This is a big one. We get in our little bubble, the world that we're made from, our way of doing things, our way of thinking, and it becomes gospel so that if there's any other way of doing something, or somebody thinks a little bit differently than we do, or they don't agree with us on something, now we're enemies or we've got problems. Well, there, our way of thinking is not the only way of thinking. 
And our way of doing things is not the only way of doing things. We need to realize, listen, and what's at the heart of that? Typically, it's pride that's at the heart of that. We need to realize that we are not special. We need to have the right view of our own failures and our own sins. That tendency or that way of operating, that way of thinking leads to being critical of others and not seeing ourselves for how awful we actually are. Now, how many of you are just changing right now? That's the words being said. Right? That's our tendency. That's our flesh. Even though people can be difficult and even though people can rub us the wrong way, we still should be able to treat others rightly and have the right kind of attitude, which is humility, rather than sit in judgment over them and have a rotten attitude about them. I think that that is Christ-likeness right there. We looked at G- or Matthew chapter 7 two weeks ago where Jesus talks about hypocritical type judgment. Judge not that you be not judged. And Jesus at the end of that passage, like in verse 5, I think he says, he says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. When you hypocritically judge. So the word patient means to be long-spirited. It means to be forbearing. It means to be long-tempered. Be patient, brethren. Be long-spirited. Be forbearing. And it's a lot easier said than done, certainly. But if we have the right view of ourself, my own tendencies and my own failures, and what God has done for me and how long-suffering He is to me, it makes it a lot easier to be long-suffering with other people. Notice also he says in verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. This gives us some perspective here. As long as some things seem like they go on, they go on and on and on and on, the fact is it will come to an end when the Lord comes. And it's sooner than you think. Because he says in verse 8, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You know what time is insignificant compared to eternity? Time is insignificant compared to eternity. Therefore, so is the difficulties that we face in life. It is also insignificant compared to eternity. So be patient. Be patient. Look at verse 8. He says, Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. This phrase, establish your hearts, it comes from the Greek word that means to set fast. It means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. To set fast. To turn resolutely in a certain direction. Get this principle down in your life, friend. Because it gives great perspective for circumstances and for dealing with people in life. 
When it comes to circumstances, sometimes circumstances seem absolutely miserable. Yes, they are, but that does not mean that we should be miserable in our attitude all the time, simply because the circumstance is. Yet there's some people that are just negative all the time, it seems. Some people are so controlled by their feelings that when circumstances go bad, so does their attitude. That was me yesterday, I'm not going to lie. I started working on my truck, and I did something really stupid, which is like completely brain dead. And then when I realized it, trying to back out of it and undo it was not really possible. So that led down this other road of a completely set, different set of things I had to do to fix the, the, the stupid mistake. Well, what ended up happening was me beating my head on my truck about 12 times. It ended up me smashing my hand with a hammer three times which it's all bruised now and swollen, and my attitude was really rotten, which then led to me being rotten in my attitude towards other people too. Sometimes we get so controlled by the circumstance or by our feelings in the moment that when the circumstance goes bad, it also makes my attitude go bad, which then leads to me responding the wrong way to other people in my life who didn't do anything. Listen, we don't have to be moody. We don't have to be grumpy. We don't have to have a bad attitude about circumstances when the heart is established with the right perspective. That's what he's talking about here. But when our flesh controls us, you understand what I'm saying? It also controls other things about us too. And James is talking about, you need, we need to develop this patience, this long-suffering, this, this forbearing, this attitude and mind and heart when it comes to circumstances, when it comes to people. Establish your hearts. Set it fast. What is the right perspective when it comes to difficult temporary? I'm still safe. The Lord is coming very soon. The Lord will make the wrongs right. He'll set the record straight. I don't have to have a rotten spirit or attitude simply because the circumstances are bad. And if I'm here, it's probably then because the Lord allowed me to be here for a reason. When it comes to people, again, talking about the establishing of the heart, the being resolute and set fast, when it comes to people, I think there's a tendency to want to react. That if we had this established in our life as a principle, we would do a lot better at not reacting. You know what? Let me, let me just ask you this. Has anybody told a lie about you? Has anybody spread rumors that aren't true? 
about you? You ever had anybody jump to conclusions about you and judge your motives? That's a big one. They misread, misunderstand. Oh, it must be this because da, da, da. And they jump to this conclusion, which is like way over here. And they judge your motives when that's not at all what it was. You ever had that happen? Yeah, I think we all have. And it's not pleasant. But you know what? That's part of life, dealing with imperfect people. The fleshly response, though, when that happens, is to want to fight back or to want to set the record straight. The tendency is to want to go and tell them how wrong they are and point out their problems. Typically, that's what happens when you get into an argument, you know, with your spouse or with somebody else, you know. Oh, yeah, well, you, you do this. But you know what? That's not a godly response. The admonition is for patience with people because we all have problems. Whenever we face circumstances like that, maybe where there's lies being said or rumors being spread or conclusions that have been jumped to and judging of the motives and so on, one thing that we should always remember is this, that truth, whatever that is, Truth will always be vindicated in the end. Always. Because God is the one who's keeping track. God is the record keeper. God knows what the truth is. And we should do right. We should follow the Lord. We should trust Him because He's the one, ultimately, that we're going to give an account to and ultimately the one who's keeping track. Truth will always be vindicated. We don't need to respond negatively if this principle is being established in our life. But notice verse 9, this other phrase. He says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. This phrase, grudge not one against another, it comes from the Greek word that means to murmur, it means to groan or to sigh. It's talking about murmuring one against another. It's easy to nitpick and find faults with people. That's really, really easy to do because we all have them. We all have faults and we all have flaws. Usually it's those who aren't busy serving the Lord, though, or those who aren't pursuing after their own relationship with the Lord themselves that have the time or the ambition to murmur and grumble about things and other people in the church. I have found this to be true. If you are busy serving the Lord and you are focused on your ministries and you are focused on blessing other people and you're focused on your own relationship with God and all you want to do is bless the Lord and bless the people, you know what? You don't have time to murmur and grumble against other people in the church. It's usually the ones who aren't that have the time to nitpick and find fault. How many of you are chafing right now? Again. Good. Good. Truth is truth, friend. The Spirit of God applies it where He 
desires. Most of the time when that is a tendency, so he says grudge not one against another. Don't murmur against each other. When that sort of thing is going on, usually those are the ones who sit back, who criticize, but they never offer any real solutions or take it upon themselves to get their hands involved in the work. They're the armchair quarterbacks, if you will, right? And they won't offer solutions or help. They're just going to go home and grumble and stew. That's not a godly perspective, not a godly response. We need to keep the right perspective here because he says, don't grudge one against another, brethren. Notice the next phrase, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Lest ye be condemned. The judge stands at the door. The Lord is coming soon. And I guess it begs the question, how is he going to find you when he comes? Right? Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not judged, because with whatever measure you judge, it's going to be meted out to you again. So we find here the admonition to patience when it comes to circumstances of life that are hard, when it comes to people that can be difficult. We ought to have the right perspective that it's temporary, it's going to come to an end. But also, Christ is coming soon, and we're going to stand before Him. And so, let's ask the Lord to help us, amen, to develop patience and Christ-likeness in our life. And we're going to be here again, like I said, the next week in this portion. We're going to talk about the illustration of patience. In verse 10, he says, Take my brethren the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. And then he talks about the life of Job, the patience of Job. But then we're going to see the motivation for patience as well, because the end of verse 11 says, you've seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And besides that, he's coming very soon. Amen? So we'll consider these the next time. But let's ask the Lord to help us in this area. It's something we always, always need to be reminded of. It's, an, it's a thing that we'll never, ever stop learning or need to be working on in this mortal life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd use your word. Thank you for it. Challenge us with it. Lord, may we humbly receive it as truth from you. And Lord, I pray that you give us your grace. If it wasn't for your grace, we would fail most miserably all the time. And Lord, help us to grow in our relationship with you and more of Christ-likeness so that as these trials come in life, we don't always respond the same way. We have a better Christ-like response as we grow. And Lord, I pray that you'd accomplish your will in us. In Jesus' name, amen.